It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. The editor-in-chief of the very athletic Bay Area, Jim Kawakami. Jim Kawakami, who has covered the NBA for over two decades. It's time now for the TK Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. Hey everybody, Tim Kawakami here, TK Show, recording from the home studio. Very glad to have on as my guest, my friend, national podcaster, uh, I don't even all the other things you're doing, former Athletic Bay Area contributor. We'll always remember those glory days, John Middlecoff. We'll always remember those days. Uh, it is, I guess, said his name, John Middlecoff. How you doing today? I'm doing good, Tim. How you doing? I'm good. I will ask you just your typical kind of combine talk show radio kind of take. But you got Aaron Rodgers reemerging from the darkness. 49ers, like we don't know about Purdy. They got Trey Lance. Uh, who knows? If you're the 49ers, are you interested in Aaron Rodgers, John Middlecoff? I mean, of course you would be, but I, I think financially it's impossible. And, and I do think, you know, is it just AFC or bust with them? I mean, we saw last year that some of these, you know, the amount of picks getting traded for wide receivers. If you can get multiple ones and you're willing to to move off, the 49ers don't have a one, number one. And I, I would put them right there with like the Bears, the Vikings, the 40, 49ers might be number one on the Packers list of under no You know, it'd be like, would the Warriors trade anything to the Lakers? And it's even different because the Packers, you know, Gudikins has been there for a long time. Obviously, the LaFleur-Shanahan combination. I'm, when I say Gudikins, like even as an assistant GM, right, when he was working and that rivalry, I would say they play all the time in the playoffs. So it's just it's just something that just it's, I it, no chance. And they weren't real thrilled when the 49ers reached out for Aaron no. a couple of years ago. I know that for a fact. Uh, so what do you do with the Niners? Like, do you think there's a, like, do you need to raise the level of quarterback? They might be looking, you know, certainly above Nate Sudfeld level. But what yeah. level are you looking at? Like, okay, hey, there's a chance that Brockford doesn't play next year, right? I mean, there's got to be a chance of it. For Don't sure. know that. <laughs> Trey Lance, you're not sure. I don't think you're banking the season on Trey Lance. You're happy if he's really good, but you can't bank on it. So what level are you, are you looking at, like above Andy Dalton? Are you looking at that area? Where, where are you looking for a veteran quarterback? Yeah, for to, to me, I, I think, John, I, I thought the most enlightening thing he said was, you know, he didn't say we're going after a big name guy because you can't really. And Jimmy is obviously leaving and he's one of the bigger name guys. But th this is a situation that they were not prepared for last year. Let's face it. They got lucky, right? That Jimmy was not able to leave, kind of fell in their laps. Now they get credit for, you know, keeping that relationship alive. But Sudfeld was the plan going into the season to be Trey Lance's backup. And obviously, when you take a guy the last pick of the draft, what they got in Brock Purdy, I, I think you have to be in the mix of a guy who has started games. Right. And, you know, ideally Jimmy of another team, but they're not going to spend $20 million on a quarterback. So is there an Andy Dalton? I actually think he makes a lot of sense. Decent athlete can move a little bit. I understand, you know, the, just put Tom Brady in a vacuum. I never loved the fit. I mean, what makes Kyle Shanahan Kyle Shanahan is his offense. And there is some movement needed at that position. 
just, you know, behind the line of scrimmage, not necessarily running. But how are they not going to call him and gauge his interest? Oh, you know, I I would imagine they already have. Uh, But when you look at the other quarterbacks, it was just a birthday text. I think it was just that was (laughs) it. You know, hey, how you doing, Tom? How you doing? I I I do think you know. I heard Jeff Darlington say like Tom's not coming back. You know, I I thought he gave a pretty heartfelt you know that little couple minute thing on on the beach where you could see him getting emotional. Like he he knows. So to me, it's the Andy Dalton. You know, I know Colt McCoy got injured last year, but kind of those type names. You know, you and me have been at these practices. Sudfeld's not a great athlete. I know he's got a pretty big arm, but I, I, I would imagine they tried to get a guy. I mean, you saw with Purdy came in, mobility adds a lot to this offense, especially with the athletes they have. And what we saw last year is, you know, they, they thought they could kind of do the Warriors thing, like this transition with the young guys, and they realized, no, we're trying to win now. And <laughs> we don't have time to groom a guy. So what can Trey, even if he's healthy, really prove you know, in some of these off-season activities, I'd argue nothing. Now, he can look, I guess, a little better accuracy-wise, but in terms of feeling good, like we can win 11 games with this guy, I don't know if there's much he can do until really the pads come on. And even then, you know, they have a team full of guys that you just know when the season starts are elite players. And their question mark, I felt pretty good about Purdy, right? If he, Assuming he was healthy. But that thing has got to be pretty worrisome. That's another thing John even said. Like, this is... We're just kind of praying. Yep. <laughs> Keep our fingers crossed. Hey, I, 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 you can't count on him to start the season. I, I just don't think there's – I mean, maybe they get great news from the surgery and he's thrown in three months and all those things. But at this point, you cannot – and that's going – And there's the a chance season. he's out for the year, right? Yes, I no mean, question. there just is. Yeah. No matter what the surgery is, right? He could get the, the lesser surgery and still miss the season. Uh, and, yeah, it, I, it is interesting to me. And I praise Trey Lance for his character. I mean, they always talk about his character. They talk about how important he was to Purdy. I wrote a little bit about that after the season uh and he's a good locker room guy but also it's interesting that's all they praise like that's what they keep saying they don't say man this talent boy he reads those defenses tremendously like they don't say that they say he's a really good guy he's a high character guy even going into last season when he was a starting quarterback it was he's a really good guy like he's really and, and that's great and it's true yeah, it matters yeah, yeah it, it and, that, and that position it really does matter and it really matters like if you're thinking about a mix of quarterbacks right you like a personality who meshes with other guys in a way that maybe aaron Rodgers certainly would not but is it a little telling to you that they're not talking about like his mental like reading, he reading the defense? i mean yeah. he just he just has not played and i, I just think you just hammer that home because you hope because most of the guys that were kind of raw had some physical tools. So Jalen Hurts, obviously Josh Allen is the highest level that they kept improving, but they got those guys got to play. Yeah. And, and this guy, I I don't see how it's really possible. Like this guy needs to develop. He needs to work on things. Well, th- they're not going to be in the in the business of doing that. Yeah. You know, when you got Debo, McCaffrey, Kittle, Usechek, Trent Williams, Nick Bosa, Fred Warner, Ward. Uh, Tarverius, not Jimmy, because he's probably gone, obviously. But they, they're going to be tr- – like, they're going to have one goal next year, and that's going to be back in the NFC Championship game, right? I mean, it's obviously to win oh, the Super Bowl. Win specifically. Yeah, win. Oh, I know, but, like, to be the cream of the crop in their conference, and it's like them and Philly. And on paper, it's true, but Philly feels pretty good about their quarterback situation, and the Niners do not. Luckily, I would say the Niners have won a ton of games, you know, in 19, 21, and 22 with the quarterback situation in flux. It's it's basically impossible to do that in the NFL. Somehow they figured it out. We were talking before the show. You, you're, a picture of young John Middlecoff came up early on the video. That's how it pops in. So we're just talking about a little Middlecoff Eagle days, and you're talking about some of the older players who've been around a while. When you look at the Eagles, 
lost the Super Bowl, but we know how good they are. And we know how, how Roseman's kind of rebuilt this like two or three times. Like as watching from afar or having been there kind of in the early days of of, of this, what's their key? Like, how do they keep doing this? Well, I think philosophically they have an old school mentality that Andy brought to them that came from Holmgren, that came from Walsh, that I think Kyle gets from his dad, that the line of scrimmage really matters. Mm-hmm. And, and they invested in the offensive and defensive line. That, that, that really, really matters to them. And I, I think that's a point of difference in the in the NFL where, you know, obviously the days of John Lynch, Lynch and Ronnie Lott killing, like those days are kind of over. Yeah. And it's much more of a spread speed game, but you can still be really physical at the point of attack, whether you got Nick Bosa, whether you got Reddick, whether you got Lane Johnson, whether you got Trent Williams. And that's a, where you can really separate yourself. Because look over the years, the Niners, over the three good Kyle teams, you could say the Harbaugh teams too, where they really, when you had a weak offensive line, you were toast. You just, unless your quarterback was Kyler Murray and could just make plays out of nowhere, you had no shot. And I think the Eagles, obviously, they got Purdy who can move because they could really get after you and they can obviously block on the offensive line. And that, you know, in a day and age when wide receivers are sexy, and obviously the Eagles like that, just like the 49ers like that, just like Andy Reid likes that, but you win at the line of scrimmage. It's very cliche to say, but it's, you really, I mean, you saw some of those highlights after the Eagles, the Niner, that NFC Championship game sucked just because we got robbed of a real game. But they were shoving around everybody but Nick Bose at the line, at the point of attack. I mean, some oh, of those yeah. clips of Kinlaw, and I understand he's he's injured and knee doesn't work, but he's still 330 pounds. He got thrown like he looked like me or you, yep. right? I mean, that yep. was crazy. But yep. they, they are, they have elite players on the offensive line. And obviously the Niners have one feels like Banks is going to be a really good player, and then you just keep coaching up Burford. But the, the right tackle is a position that is in flux right now for the Niners. You know, I mean, McGlinchey, the way free agency works in the NFL, guys, we think they get overpaid, but, you know, there aren't many good starting tackles. And whether he's good, great, average, he's going to be a starting right tackle, and that's valuable in itself. Pretty amazing. I mean, I defend McGlinchey. I know way more than you and Guy do, but that's like he's definitely made mistakes. He's definitely had some shaky moments pass protecting but for to me to say they're saying he's going to make 14 to 6 million dollars a year is stunning to me i i i'll see it i mean i'm sure lakin tomlinson made 11 and i didn't think that was going to happen is he is that's what he's going to get he's got 15 million dollars for my well I, I think you saw last year in the market because the reality is of unlike baseball and basketball where a guy's going to hit free agency none of the really sweet players ever get there most of them get extended the the, the small percentage that actually become free agents get franchised so the best is Christian Kirk all of a sudden getting $75 million. Turned out actually pretty good, decent yeah. signing by Trent Baalke. Not a bad player, but at the time it was like, holy moly. So I my issue with McGlinchey, and me and I talk a lot about it on the podcast, is not, you know, you can do much worse. It's like most teams have w- one good corner at most. So the second corner always gets nitpicked, but most teams' second corner is pretty average. Most teams do not have two big-time tackles, right? If you have one, you're in great shape. He is obviously a solid starter. I, But once you start the fifth-year option and you start talking money, that's where I'm very hesitant. Could you get some of the guys on the roster, backups, draft another guy in the third, fourth round? We've seen Kyle play with kind of rotational guys before that make $2 million. Or, you know, it's a financial constraint given how much you're paying other people. If McGlinchey was if, – if I could get McGlinchey back for $4 million, yeah. <laughs> but that, but that's, that's not the case. To me, it's I look at him more – and you do get paid, you know – Kyle's unique because he's this young guy that <laughs> loves running it like it's the 70s or 80s. But I do need you to pass protect. And that's really why the top guys get paid so much money. 
And it, it is just a liability. And now probably more than ever, like when I was in the NFL a decade ago, there were every team had a good pass rusher. Now it feels like most teams have multiple inside and outside. And these inside guys, like you could just put Chris Jones over McGlinchey, or you can put Aaron, you just can put your best pass rusher, whether he's a D tackle or a pat or an end over a tackle, your usually your weak tackle, and they can have no problem. And that's the Niners are lucky because they have Kittle, but part of like once Purdy started playing, Kittle's so valuable in the passing game, it's a hard balance to strike. And you and I had to debate a little bit on the text. I know you've been tough on the, the Kyle Shanahan play call, the Hassan Reddick being blocked by Tyler Croft and getting right through him and, and getting in and injuring uh, Brock Purdy in the NFC Championship game. I understand that. And Kyle was very defensive about it afterwards. And I thought, yeah, you should probably get some sleep before we answer these questions. One thing, but I react to is these are plays. You just call in plays. You can't go back and say, well, that play got the quarterback hurt. So it was a terrible play call. Like you're playing, you're calling plays in a system and you're trying to make the best things. And that is a play that Randy Reed called almost the exact same thing in the Super Bowl. Reddick does not rush the passer. He thinks it's a run, all those things. I get it. I get the criticism. Kyle Shan is making $8 million a year, whatever the hell he's making, $10 million a year. Eight, yeah, yeah, I, I would guess like 11, 14. Yeah, yeah, whatever the <laughs> hell it is. Uh, and you, you you have to listen to those questions because it was a huge play. But my my point is, and I, and I think you understand, but I just want to talk about it a little bit, is that I don't like going back and saying, because that play didn't work out, you are stupid. And I know you didn't say that, but it just gets to me like, it's the whole thing. It's the whole system. It's the flow of this. You are judged by results, but that one play isn't Kyle Shanahan being an idiot. It's just that play didn't work out, but you have to do some of those plays in order to set up other things or for in sure. order to try to hit a play there. That's my point. Yeah, obviously the reaction after the game is probably a little different as time goes on. My, my only criticism would be to as of today is like the result of that play was devastating. No question. Because you would feel because people would feel very good about the 49ers and they would be like they've been for the last couple of years. Of not just a sexy pick, but you would actually have more confidence with like Purdy running the show as the starting quarterback going into the season with the group that's going to come back. It had major, major consequences. So if he could just say, like, I understand Andy Reid, Bill Walsh, Belichick, every human being alive is going to call bad plays or a play that doesn't work. It's it's football. It's sports. But to say, like, yeah, if I could have that one back, mm-hmm. I. but he'll never say that. No, he doesn't and say that. No, say that. and that's part of, like, Again, like, is he going to go down as the greatest coach of all time? Probably not, but he's damn good. And is if it's one of his flaws, he gets a little defensive. You know, Harbaugh had some flaws, but he's been really successful too. You know, it's just you kind of got to live. Andy Reid forever in Philadelphia drove people nuts with some of his re- – it's just part of the deal, and he's not going to say it. But it, it was his quarterback who was – you know, whether he could have stepped up a little bit, left out to dry against a backup tight end – Against a, a defense, too, that sees a similar offense, right, of a lot of, you know, play action, a lot of boots because the quarterback can move, and he never bit. And, it, it again, the result is, as time has gone on, especially because he's had to delay the surgery now, it just could be devastating. And he'll never, you know, when I say take responsibility, I, I just, it's not his fault. He didn't plan on that, but just say, yeah, if I could have that one back, I would have ran a different play. Yeah, he didn't do that. He likes his plays. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Well, I have John Milcock on, so I'm obviously known, Raider, passionate follower, and and freaking, just sometimes you're just an out-and-out tout for the Raiders. We we know that. Uh, (laughs) Marcel Reese goes. Marcel Reese resigns yesterday. I don't know who's left around Mark Davis. Uh, Wait, I, I I must have missed that news. Yeah, Mar- I, Marcel Reese resigned yesterday, or is reportedly going to resign, uh, which is like that's was that was Mark Davis's guy, right? That that was the guy that everyone was laughing. At. He's actual team president. He's the actual whatever. He's going to be offensive coordinator. What that had to be one of the better jobs in the league. It was a good one. Yeah. I know to resign that one. I don't know what the hell's going. On. I mean, we've seen the team presidents go out one after the other. John Milkoff is a is a, the follower of the Raiders as you are. What is going on there? You know, it goes back and listen, we're just, you know, being on Kyle for the play, but they obviously wanted Josh McDaniel six years ago, right? It with Casario, the package deal. Yeah, 49. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and that thing didn't go down. And they got, you would, there's not a team in the league. You wouldn't even think twice, probably including the Raiders, if he, if he had to admit it, would take Josh McDaniels over Kyle Shannon. Like there's a chance. And the best part about the NFL is if you're not a good head coach, but you're a really good coordinator, it pays. It, in these other sports where assistant coach in baseball, most of the head manager, you know, the managers don't even make a million dollars anymore. These coordinators now make two, three million dollars. Josh was making like four as the right hand guy. He might just be a bad head coach, you know, because I know they played in close games, but he did inherit a quarterback and he's an offensive guy who was just pretty slow, steady, having some success and got dramatically worse, <laughs> you know, dramatically worse under his watch. And whether wherever Derek falls on the totem pole, but like that was a disaster. And part of the way that they did the contract, which is good business because they didn't want to tie themselves to like a Matt Ryan contract or whatever, but they gave him this no trade clause and they just cut a guy who, if Derek Carr was tradable, he, he would net them a second round pick or something. You know, it's just, they just cut him. It was just how often do you have a quarterback of value who's young, highly thought of around the league, you know, relative to like none of the top five or six quarterbacks good guy, and you just have to cut. Even Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz. It, to me, would make would make me nervous. It, I, I listened to a podcast with Ziegler. Seems like a good guy. I've heard good things. But if your head coach, and you see this with Kyle, just like you see it with Andy Reid or Pete Carroll, is not an upper echelon guy, it's just going to be difficult. And I would say the evidence we have with McDaniels as the head coach is just questionable. And then you factor in, it's just I didn't even see that Marcel Reese, but it is. Listen, I'm not even being a hater, being dead serious. It's a dysfunctional place. You know, it, it just it just is. Just, you know? the, just the transactional wire for the front office will tell you that. I, I know Mark. I mean, they, yeah. I mean, they sent the, the quarterback, and whether you know, I'm sure Derek. At first, it was reported when he went home, like the Raiders sent him home, then Derek wanted to go home. That is just in the NFL. When does that ever happen? Well, Mariota. Like, that... It happened with Mariota. <laughs> but he could, was there like a year, yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, Derek yeah. been there nine oh, years, gosh. had been the voice of the franchise when they moved, but yet they were staying. And then him just to, it was just, it's it's just very on brand. Yeah, I, I think this is pointing to me saying Mark Davis is going to sell, like, and and it's been talked about for a while, and he doesn't have the cash flow everyone else. When he moved to Vegas, he had to leverage a lot. The casinos have an interest, you know. There's he's might be leveraged at some point. Uh, and to me, to see Marcel Risco and other people, you know, who've been around him, I think I think Mark Davis. Why? Why, why would he sell though? I mean, if unless they, I mean, obviously I just make think, a lot of money, but he's a lot been of money. He, he can keep the aces, right? He can keep his his WNBA team. 
Uh, I just think it's not working. And you're right. John Fisher's still holding on the A's. Like we see all these weak ownerships and they hold on and it just, the franchise keeps gaining in value. But I just like, what's, what's the fun of for, for Mark Davis was hanging around with his guys. And Mark Marcel was the number one guy. Maybe that relationship soured. I don't know, but like, how fun is it if he's like putting it in the hands of people he doesn't really know that and doesn't want to hang around. Maybe I'm overreading this. I just feel like it was set up for him to sell by going to Vegas because he was leveraged financially so much. And now you're kind of clearing out all these people in the front office. They have this IRS stuff. Feels like to me that Mark Davis might not have like the stomach for doing this too much longer. I could be wrong, but, and that would be an interesting team to own John Milkoff. That would well, be, that, that would yeah. go for so much money. It would yeah. be outrageous. You know, seven, eight billion. Me, me and Guy have always said, and the Raider fans are going to hate this. You know, I, I I do think potential rebranding. I, I know yeah, the, you, you know, the passion older people. Yeah, the, the Raiders they have been mainly people like the league's better when the Raiders are good. They, they've been bad for twenty years, and the league has never been more profitable over those twenty years. So it's just, yeah. But look, there's the, a negative I mean, the, connotation that goes yeah. around. I don't know. I mean, the Cleveland Browns like did not have to rename that team Cleveland Browns, but why they named the Cleveland Browns because of the ancient ties. The Raiders have those. I just, I think you, you have a brand new, new, yeah. c- new city though. You yeah, know, th- but, it has like, you know, the AC, I, I do think it would be a pretty easy transit. I mean, Washington did it. Obviously there were different circumstances yeah. there, but I would say everything would be on the table. Yeah. I mean, listen, any owner comes in there, but you just, you just want people to know your name of your team, right? You want, even now people are going commanders. What are they, you know, like you, you just, True. It, True. You, you just, the Colts kept their name. It just is, the, these are famous names that are famous for a reason. You can tie yourself back to Al Davis and you know, all those things. And I think they still will want to, even if they change the feel of it. And we know an owner probably will. It's still going to be the, in my, what would you, what I, would you guess if they just Mark Davis tomorrow is like, we're putting the we're teams up for sale. What, what, what number would they get? Yeah, what was Denver? 6.5 billion, something like that. Yeah. Something. something yeah. yeah it'd be above that. It would be above that with a new stadium and everything. I think it'd be 8 billion, seven, eight the billion. city. I mean, the, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just, <laughs> You you could do so much with that team. You could do so much with. Them. I mean, they're making money now, right? They're selling out that that, that place. Uh, a winning Raider team in Las Vegas, which gets LA fans. That's I mean, you're getting another reason why I wouldn't drop the name is because the LA fans still swarm to that team, and you're cutting off the, that era too. But yeah, it would be it would be immense. I just know there would be people lining up. To buy it, I mean, what do you think Bezos would 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 pay would pay to own the freaking Raiders? I think I think Albert Breer, someone wrote that you know rumors are he's kind of wait the Seattle thing shaking up mm-hmm. right the, yep. the daughters will sell, yeah, but the Raiders would be more valuable than Seattle, I, I would imagine, yep. and uh, you know this gets back to this you know the Rayon Rogers darkness whether he's going to obviously Mark Davis is desperate for you know some some a splash you know I mean the team is in the entertainment capital of the world and they're just kind of irrelevant. I, I, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, that's pretty risky for my career. Yeah. I mean, the, the Green Bay Packers are one of the biggest brands in America, right? It, it sports and have won and have won, and yeah. he's consistently won, had success. You saw Devontae, who was who is on a Hall of Fame track. I mean, he had a great year, and just no one. I mean, they won six games. <laughs> just, yep. Now, yep. It, having Aaron Rodgers there, you think they would be a lot better, but that division. I don't know. I, I, I think the Raiders are in a little trouble, especially if, if Josh is just. At best, average, and as the information we have right now, that you couldn't say that, that's going to be the problem, right? Because we know Andy Reid's elite, Sean Payton is damn good. Uh, the Chargers just, I mean, have a star quarterback, so they 
they're just going to be very competitive. It's just it's a difficult division. Oh, I, sure I think right the Jets now. is better. I mean, if you could handle playing in New York and playing the cold, I think the Jets is set up to be. Uh, that's what I, if I'm Rogers, that's my first choice. If I'm Derek Carr, that's my first choice. Again, if you can live in the New York media, I, I think you should be able to. Uh, Derek, I think would actually have a tougher time than Rogers, frankly. But that team is. Do you, think Ky- to- do you think Kyle, if if he could somehow just hey come here one year like eight million dollars, I will get you rolling and get you a big free agency deal. If it comes out like Purdy's out for the year, would he be interested in Derek? Think so. I mean, I think he'd be interested in the talent. I think he'd be interested in a guy who he could like really just simplify things for you. Throw it here or here. That's it. Um, High character think, guy yeah, who works hard. I think hard, he would be a little mold. concerned with the Carr family. You know, social media, but he hates that. He just hates that stuff. Yeah. I know he does. most most coaches do. Yeah. And <laughs> just like if there's a losing streak, well, there'll be this bubble of whatever and complaints and, you know, whispers. And, you know, David Carr says something on NFL Network that Kyle has to respond to like that stuff he would not love. And, and worrying about that might be like just taking Derek Carr out of the picture. And I don't think it's going to be eight million anyway. Right. It's going to be. 30 million. No, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But that's where I think Derek's better off going to the NFC South, the Colts. I think New York, because if it just didn't go, yeah, I mean, yeah, if you're not 11 wins and it's yeah. eight, you know, it yeah. could then, get ugly. And Darren Carr starts tweeting something and the New York Post gets a hold of it. You know, that, that's, Belichick, and, Jell, Belichick picks him off three times and they embarrass <laughs> him on Sunday Night Football or something, you know? Yep. Yep. Uh, I would see it tough for that, but, um, you know, Derek's got talent. I just, like, I, I just don't think he'd love having Brock Purdy. They're like, oh, wait a minute. Brock Purdy might be healthy in week six. What do you think about that, Derek? Like Those sorts of things. I don't think Kyle likes thinking about that stuff. And Jim, Jimmy and he had a – I wrote about them, and it was not a good breakup at the end. I think it was just because last year was kind of – there was a lot of extra tension last year. Just things were weird last year. Yeah, Probably shouldn't have happened. It just the relationship was over, but they kind of tacked it on another year. But he, one thing they like about Jimmy is there's no drama there, right? Other than the injuries, you're not hearing Jimmy, you know, whispers at all, period. So you, Car- Carson Wentz for, nice, you know, yeah, nothing, yeah. too much drama. Not. Yeah, probably other than, again, you he know. Did, he Kyle, did play well against yeah, a couple yeah, of years he, ago. He's, be, he's beaten the 49ers <laughs> twice, no yeah. tough, twice. Uh, I don't know that that's a, a Kyle kind of guy. Uh, I think he wants a guy. I know what he's going to do on third down. I have a good feeling about it. And then I'm not going to hear about whispers on Monday morning. Uh, about what that play call should have been and what the protection should have been. He hates that stuff. Hates Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton to me yep. makes like that type Ryan, guy makes Matt a lot Ryan, of sense. Matt Ryan, you know, Matt Ryan. Matt is Ryan gettable. stinks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, I mean, he fumbles the ball. Like, I was like 14 fumbles last season. <laughs> That's not good. That's not good. It was, it was I, ugly. I do want to get into John Middlecoff, the, the, the podcast world. I think people are interested. I'm intrigued. You're making it as a podcast. You're making it great as a podcast. You got the coward take bits you've got obviously the, the podcast with guy doing great what's that i mean did you imagine a life like this and what is what what would you wake up in the morning and you got a podcast record what, what's your life like as a multiple platform podcaster yeah i mean i i, I think i had an advantage that me and guy had a radio show mm-hmm. so you know as someone who didn't grow up like doing media stuff even though i wrote for the mustang daily uh but i, I didn't have like a radio background we had done that for several years together. And then when, you know, <laughs> I led to guy's departure, <laughs> he, he followed is that we had a built in audience. So we didn't, you know, a lot of people just start a podcast that aren't 
like like you that have a background or you know Ethan does a Substack he has a built-in audience so we had we had a starting ground and then we just kind of figured it out from there and so I you know and then over the years you know we've become very 49er centric because as you know there's 49ers warriors there's a couple it makes sense they do some numbers they do some numbers but and and we've been lucky i mean they've had a lot of success it it doesn't work when they're winning four games but if you're in the playoff hunt and winning playoff games and playing the cowboys and the packers in january it's just it it just works and we we obviously have been doing it for a while and then you know with colin I started doing a podcast for him well before the volume ever started. So just kind of got to work out the kinks of just talking by myself, you know, which I, me and guy typically, especially during the football season, do, you know, hour and a half, two hour shows. My podcast by myself is probably at most 45 minutes. Sometimes I do a mailbag so it can go a little longer, but I just had a lot of reps doing it. And then through me and guy, we were able to sell it. And then it just kind of, you know, snowballed that way. And then as the volume's taken off, we have sales teams. So we've been just kind of treat it like radio. I mean, ultimately what radio is, a lot like newspapers, right, was just advertising uh, distribution. So it, and now with podcasting, which is slowly and slowly taking a bigger piece of the pie than radio just because we're so tied to the phone. Yep. And, uh, you know, part of life is just timing. Like I, I wouldn't have been able to do what I'm doing, you know, in 2006, but it's just the podcasting. And I had a built in when we got fired from radio. It just, I didn't have a choice. I wasn't going to, you know, I'm not some radio guy where I was going to move to like Dallas, you know, start talking about the Cowboys and the Mavericks. Uh, I, so it just, it just kind of happened and figured it out on the fly and uh, got lucky the timing of the businesses. And again, it's, you know, 2020 hit, all of a sudden everything stopped and all the advertising stopped. You, you go through ebb and flows. It's not like every day is a great day, but you know I watch a lot of football. And I on Colin's thing, I've added a golf podcast because I watch a lot of golf and I I love golf. So it's just football and golf. I, I used to when you and I first you you had been doing it before, but when I started doing the TV thing, I used to have this. Uh, I used to be pissed because like I had a radio show, like I wanted to talk baseball and the Warriors. And I remember guy used to always tell me like, if you're gonna be pigeonholed, being pigeonholed as a football guy is not the nope. worst thing. Nope. And as time has gone on, I'm like, yeah, whatever, you know. Beside the Warriors, I don't even watch that much basketball anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, and I, I didn't go to a baseball game yesterday, a spring training game. Nope. The Dodgers uh, were playing the Reds, and that clock, it is a the pace of play is yeah. just it is it pretty is. amazing, and it doesn't feel forced when you're there. It it works. So it doesn't feel fast. The game doesn't feel like too fast. No, it feels fast, but it doesn't feel forced. And it doesn't feel like everyone's rushing. And, you know, guys, it doesn't feel like the pitcher's like kind of, it feels natural, but it also feels like there's an urgency here. Yeah. I, I liked it. Yeah. Live, it, you, it, hell, I was 30 minutes late and they were in the fourth inning. <laughs> <laughs> and that's your John Middlecoff MLB podcast. There, there you go. You got to go right, go brand that Middlecoff. Just be go straight for MLB. That's the the booming audience is MLB <laughs> right now. You're going to be right on the cusp of it. Uh, you got NFL guys who who listen to podcasts. You you hear from them and they like, hey, maybe you could bring up this or that. That's that's I think when you know a podcast is going, when you've got like sources chiming in about some of the things you said. Yeah, I, I would say that I have through Colin met a lot of people throughout the league that I wouldn't necessarily have met. Uh, you know, the guy, the podcast for the 49ers, I probably met a couple people through there, but I already knew a decent, I've known Adam Peters for a long time. I guess I got to meet John Lynch, but Kyle's a tough nut to crack. He doesn't really <laughs> care, <laughs> but I, I would say like random people on random teams that probably skew my age and younger that have just reached out 
through a DM or whatever that, that has been cool and you can pick their brain. And, you know, I, one of the things I saw, and I think this is kind of unfair, right? Like one reason that these coaches don't go to the combine or take their coaches because they don't want them talking. Mm. Right. But the head coach is allowed to talk whenever he wants, yeah, right, to his yeah. people, but they're not allowed to talk. It's just, I remember thinking that when I was in the NFL, it's like, what are we doing now? And I get there, there is some information you can't have like a trade and certain things get out, how you feel about player. But for the most part, people know other people texting. There, and there stuff. are texts. Like, <laughs> yeah. People text. I do think they do that. I do think they do that. But no, Kyle doesn't love all his assistants talking. He doesn't. Like he, the ones that have to talk uh, and are requested specifically, they have to allow them to do that. But he that was one thing I was thinking about, like in the defensive coordinator search. He did, just didn't want like people who had like broad media connections, and I'm not sure this. Like I'm asking around. Like I mean, Steve Wilkes has been an interim coach. He's been a quarter for a while. I, I don't know what his system is. Like I don't know him. I I, I feel like I don't. I was I was asking. I'll tr- name drop here. Rather rather uh, a big time Panthers fan guy named Steph Curry about Steve Wilkes. He, he watches them obsessively, and he's like, I don't really know his defense system. <laughs> like I watched the game four man line. Beyond that, not really sure. Like what is Steve Wilkes like? What is he? What does rep in the league? New four niners, who niners DC? Steve Wilkes, I should have. I think Kyle told you after the uh, the season, like we ain't changing our defense. Like yep. we're gonna do what we've been doing. Fred Bosa, these guys, Greenlaw, like Eric Armstead, like we're not changing. So you're coming in basically to just keep doing what D'Amico was doing. Now, if you want to blitz a little more, or you know maybe play more man, or but but like the 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 base of the defense, the four three defense, that's probably ultimately. And I know you know Vic, like he wasn't gonna change the defense, and that is Vic's baby. I mean, I have a close buddy that worked with Vic really closely in Chicago, and he's like, he he is just so good with that defense. Yep. It's just n- not that he couldn't do hybrid defenses and run other stuff, but that is kind of – it's like, Kyle, you're not all of a sudden going to run the Mike Leach offense because mm-hmm. his baby is that offense. Now he can add things over time. So I, I think Steve Wilkes, you're going to just see four-man pressures, occasionally said one of the linebackers, but I, I don't think you're going to see like they blitz now most in the NFL or, you know, it's just – they they kept the staff in terms of the defensive line coach and the linebacker coach. So I and Fred is probably one of the most unique players right now in the NFL where he's basically, you know, an Ed Reed. You know, he's just at a level now where Luke Keekley over the years, like he's his role, I mean, he's kind of like a coach as well as a player. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so it's it's an incredible job. Like if I'm Steve Wilkes, I'm thinking I'm I'm gonna be a head coach yep. in a year because I already have some a lot of positive momentum after the Panthers. And I get why Frank got that job. Like, you just need – I know for a fact that I could just get nine or ten wins, and it's a, still a little risky with Wilkes. And like I said, there's – these coordinators – I remember someone actually with the 49ers told me that this was like four or five years. There wasn't a defensive coordinator in the NFL that made less than seven figures. And now, I mean, <clears throat> some of these guys – I mean, I would imagine Vic's making four or five. Some yeah, of these guys are making an outrageous amount of money. Yep. They're like co-head coach, right? I mean, certainly we've seen a lot of offensive-minded guys get head coaching jobs, but they desperately need a guy to run their defense. Right? You got to have a guy. You can't just have a somebody else. You know, it's got to be somebody who's like almost like assistant head coach defense. Do you think every staff in the NBA has an assistant coach making a million plus? Yeah, I'd say most of them. Most of them, yeah, and and, and some have a couple. Like the Warriors have a couple of them. Yeah, them. Warriors are unique yeah. for sure. Uh, but I'd say most of them because. You know, the, the job is so big and you have so many different, yeah. you know, so run the defense or run the offense. So I'd say most of them have not at least one or maybe even two making over a million. Some of them are making maybe towards two. 
Uh, you know, not every like that, team. that that shooting coach with the Spurs. I think he's now with OKC. Yeah. Like yeah, he was a, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like he's a biddable guy. Like there's a, he's like yeah. Kaseric. Like Kaseric. Yeah. What's Kaseric making? Two. Uh, Kaseric's yeah. making a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like he's a position coach, but it's so like why wouldn't you want? But have they're a worth it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what, what the Eagles? No the cap. Eagles' offensive line coach Stoutland, I'm sure, makes two and a half, three million dollars. Yeah. Like yeah. once you get a great assistant coach. It is worth it for these owners, which $2 million of them is a line item. Under no circumstance are we losing these guys. And, and where you get lucky in football is a lot of times that O-line coach or that D-line, he's never going to become a head coach probably. So you can pay him such a high number that he's like, I got an incredible job, yep. right? Yep. They leave me alone. I get to run my unit. I, I get a lot of praise. They do. They invest in this position for my given team. Like if I'm Kaseric, I know they will. My head coach, despite being the offensive play caller, loves D-linemen, right? And that makes Kyle unique. Like he values that position, which which is good. And they're going to need. I mean, they're going to do it again. They're going to do yeah. it again. I mean, they might add a free agent and draft a guy in the third round. You know, with their one of their third round picks. I mean, you just keep going there. It's like well, it's like Joe Gibbs, the quarterbacks back when you could just hide quarterbacks. You just keep drafting him. I think the Four Niners should draft another quarterback. I, I think they should have four quarterbacks in camps. Why I mean, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, it's just. It, it, what instead of not having a, a seventh cornerback, I, I would rather have a fourth quarterback. It just that's the way I would work this. Uh, and Jake Hanner would be the guy. I, I don't want to be local, 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 but man, that guy feels like Brock Purdy to me. He, he just feels like Brock Purdy, and I wouldn't mind having two Brock Purdies, especially when well, when, it, whenever they take that light test that Barrels wrote about. <laughs> yeah. Just give me the top guy if I can get him in the fourth <laughs> or fifth round. Draft that guy. I do want to know. I, I know it's impossible to ever find this out. Like who flunked that test? Like who was terrible in that test? I'm always curious about that. They can't say, but. Sometimes it comes out, and it was a fascinating story. Barrows, read it in the athletic. It was good. Uh, all right, John Middlecoff, I asked you a very good question. I asked everybody on the podcast. I've asked you many times before. I'll give you this one, John Middlecoff. What's your favorite book right now? I actually just read it. It's called The Big Miss by Hank Haney, mm. and it's uh, basically about his career coaching Tiger Woods, <laughs> and he he took over right after Butch Harmon, kind of in the peak of Tiger's powers all through kind of the downfall of Tiger's powers uh, through the, the injury at Torrey Pines to the, you know, the event with his wife. It's just a fascinating insight of, I mean, I think one of the most fascinating humans of all time. No question. And, and a lot of it is about, you know, the difference, right? Like with Brady or Steph, a, a team sport is just so much like a lot of people, this guy's, you read some of these, and you're like, is he a bad guy? And it's just, you're just so insulated as an individual sport. Uh, especially the way he was raised. It's just, it's a fascinating insight to Tiger Woods. I actually had people in the golf business say like, you just, you got to read it because it's mm. just, it's, it's really, really good. It's, yeah. it's old, you know, it's probably yeah. 10, you know, seven, eight years old. Uh, I know people think Hank's falling off the deep end or whatever. And Tiger <laughs> hated him once he wrote it, but it's, yeah. it's less about like Hank's ego and just more about like Tiger and working with him and just, just how different he is, you know, but how his difference made him, I mean, Tiger Woods, you know, no friends. Great ones are the craziest ones. Uh, I've always said, except for Steph. Steph's the one incredibly elite player that I know who is not crazy. I mean, crazy. I'm not saying crazy in a negative way. It's like they're single minded. They just cannot yeah. see the world other than what's going to get them their next championship. Steph's not that. Steph's a real regular guy. Uh, I'll can I keep I'm going to keep extending. I'm sorry. I'll just I gotta ask about live. We've text back and forth about live. I think we've talked about live golf. Uh, incredibly low ratings or first time out with CW. I kind of peeked in there and I did not love the propaganda stuff. I want I'll watch the golf if it's good, 
but it's not it does not shock me that the ratings were terrible where are you with live golf is this thing going to last well, it, it can last because they have an unlimited amount of money. I, I think their main problem right now, because they are they have a good business plan in the sense of they bought some big time names and they go against these events that none of the top players are going against. But if I invest, let's just pick a number, $600 million in the top three or four guys, right? Bryson, Cam Smith, DJ, Kepka. You can't really include Phil because he's old and shot now. I need those guys, like two of them, every time we play to be right near the top, if not winning. So when they had Charles Howell III and Peter Uline and Bryson and DJ and Cam Smith and Kepka are not like going to win or, or like have a chance on, because it's a three-day event, like the Saturday and Sunday, it's it's not going to work. And, and part of it is like it's sports, so you just you can't script it unless I guess technically they probably could. It's harder in golf, especially with how much money is on the line. Like Charles Howell won $4.5 million dollars. But they need to, to even have any relevancy, those guys to win. Because even I, I was listening to something the other day, like, what if at the Masters, it's like DJ Cam Smith, John Rom, Rory, all, you know, the Saturday, Sunday are in the last couple groups intermix. That's cool. And it'll be a big storyline for the Masters. But I don't know if that then parlays back to, well, I got to watch live now. It, it's going to be good for those individual majors. You know, I, golf's a niche sport anyway. You know, golf is not even as baseball and basketball kind of get dwarfed by the NFL, their audiences and their power is so much bigger than golf. So there's only a couple million people every week that's going to watch golf beside like the Masters or a big Tiger Woods if he's in the yeah, mix. Tiger, well, if Tiger's in the mix, then. Yeah, if Tiger, I think I 2019 Masters had 19 million people watching, <laughs> yeah. and that's a pretty unique circumstance, which if I told you Tiger Woods is in the lead Sunday this Masters, I mean, it's 25 million people are going to watch, but I – I just don't know. Live needs their top players basically every time they play to be in the mix to even get 500,000 people, right? They're, they're never going to get NBC, the Honda Classic. It was terrible. I mean, you see the names, you don't know anyone. I mean, the last couple holes were kind of cool, but it's NBC. It's the most watched channel. You just have that built in. Like part of the NFL's advantage is they're on CBS, NBC, and Fox, right? They don't mess around with random channels. Yep. So and it's even just when they go the, streaming, it's just yeah, it's streaming to the side, and the big channels are still the ones they're going to be on. But yeah, I, I have issues with it, but I, I appreciate your take on it. And you're you're golf, you're golf media now, Middlecoff. You're right in the golf media. You're, you're part of that crew. No laying up and John Middlecoff uh, going so. in, going hard in golf. It's a good demographic, though. It's a damn good demographic. The advertisers pay a lot of money in that <laughs> space, <laughs> and I'm in that demographic too. I'll put it that way. So uh, we shall see. Well, listen. Wait, uh, before I get you out of here, you know, I I didn't see the end of the game. Obviously, they came storming back. Curry in the. I mean, this team gonna. You know, pedal the metal or that that Slater tweet of they're five hundred and they're just gonna. <laughs> we'll see. We'll one. see. The they feel snake. They feel snake bitten. Yeah. yeah. Don't I they? I mean, I'll put. I did not expect Steph coming back too soon, but man, I saw him in the locker room last two night. He, he he's just been in a great mood, which makes me feel like it's heading in the right direction. Uh, they're playing the Clipper. He may not be back for Thursday's game. We'll see. They're gonna announce something today, so this podcast coming out Thursday morning. Maybe it's it's old news by that time. But man, if they're playing like this and Steph coming back, and we'll see with Wiggins. They might get that five seed, right? And and it, Warriors of five seed is going to be dangerous. Like I thought, Warriors at seven seed, maybe they get around. It's going to be tough. They're on the road all the time. But if you if you elevate them a little bit better, and they don't have to play, you know, they don't have to go through Denver and then Memphis and then Phoenix. Like you can give them a little softer first round. Like I, I'd like them in every round. I don't know if I like them through four rounds, just because they're going to break down. They're older. 
but they're doing this without Steph, Wiggins, GP2, uh, and there's one, Iguodala. Like, who knows if if they're all coming back, but you figure you work those four guys into a rotation. I don't think Denver wants to see him. That's what I'll put it. I don't think Denver wants to see him. I don't think Memphis wants to see him. If you're that kind of I, team. I think the, I think the Suns are pretty good. Well, we'll see what they're yeah, We'll see. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, you, uh, yeah, it's, I'm talking about Suns just like we don't yeah. know where they are right now. Chris gets think, hurt a lot. Yeah, I don't think Dallas wants to see him. I don't think they can go one, two, three rounds, right? Like that that just rolls. But and last year they got kind of a break. They didn't have to play Phoenix because Phoenix fell apart against Dallas. We'll we'll see how it matches up. I just don't know if they have staying power, but I think they're a team that is going to be really dangerous round around. Really, you're just never going to feel like you can you got an easy one with them. And man, I, some of it is based on Steph and Draymond vibes. And those two guys have been in really great moods. Draymond came back last night after missing a couple. Was in a great mood, and Steph just John. He's like in an amazing mood. So something is feeling right about him right now. The team is 30, you know, two games over 500. What does that mean? But if they can just get to the four five, uh, the West should be scared. If they, if they're seven, eight, then that's a whole other road. They've got to go. They got to go through the plan. It might just be too much for them, but four or five warriors, I would watch out for them. You think the Warriors will set a record NBA record for most podcasts on a 15 man roster? <laughs> yeah, well, Bob Myers and GM. <laughs> yeah, I know. yeah, they're they're going crazy. We, we, like if Patrick Baldwin gets get Ryan Rollins get a podcast, then you really want to watch out. Yeah, um, yeah, no, yeah. Every playoff game is going to be like we have to go back and listen to the podcast now. Like, Draymond did that in Memphis when they, they had that crazy game. He got thrown out. And he just ran off and did his podcast. It's like, hey, Dremont, as long as you do it in time for me to be able to listen to it when I'm writing, then fine. Because you know what? Just do it that way. Uh they're wild too. I, I think I think if this if it plays out this way, Kings Warriors round one would oh, be pretty incredible. Be at any point. At any point. It'd be fun. It'd be yeah. fun. And I just realized they got Della Vadova on the team. The Kings have Della Vadova. That's the classic uh Steph. Not thrilled with any sense that that's a guy who could guard him. It would be Vivek and Joe. Uh, it would be Mike Brown, Harrison Barnes, I, and obviously we just drive up and down. That would be wonderful. Instead, of I, I, I could see the Warriors knocking them out and Joe going over to light the beam. <laughs> yeah, no, put a, build a beam and chase it or just for that one. It would be it would be tremendous. <laughs> all right, John. Listen, I appreciate all the time. Took you way over, but uh, as always, great conversation. And uh, I'm 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 happy to say that uh, you're you're one of my podcasts and listen. You and guys, my regular podcast listen, and uh, I, I look for a new episode every every time I can. Appreciate you, Tim. Take it easy. So for today, everybody. Thanks.